Okay, um, hello, welcome to Careers in Your Ears, the careers podcast for PhD students and research staff at King's College London. I'm Donald Lush, one of the careers consultants working with researchers here at King's. Um, today I'm joined by Dr. Dan Metcalf from Nippon Imaging. Hello, Dan. Hi, Donald. Hiya, welcome to our podcast. Um, can we kick off by just asking a little bit about um, your original PhD research um, and what you're doing now and kind of how the two link up? Yeah, certainly. So I did my PhD at UCL. It's one of the four-year PhD programs right. in molecular cell biology, and my research projects were around membrane trafficking and right. cell biology. And as part of that, I did a, a lot of microscopy and right. technical assay oh, okay. development. Yeah, so I see the connection with the imaging stuff you're doing now. I guess exactly. Yeah. yeah. So my current role, I manage the team of specialists at Nikon, and I started at Nikon as a, a microscopy specialist. Right. So. I used yeah, a, a big crossover in skills in terms of right. So a lot of Nikon's customers are people that do molecular biology, cell biology research. Uh, right, really interesting. Behind. So yeah. there's a very strong connection with with your original research. Yes, and yeah. in fact, I yeah. still meet and I've actually the first person that trained me in microscopy on my PhD. I've subsequently sold right. microscopes to and trained yeah. him in. So oh, fantastic! I actually still yeah. see former colleagues on yeah. a yeah. regular basis. I mean, that's quite. It can be unusual for PhDs to, to have that really strong link right the way through. That's really interesting. Mm. Um, so I was going to ask if you see a connection between your current role and your PhD, but um, I think we've covered that. Um, I guess, I mean, you're not in an academic role. No. So what made you make that move? So you're out working for a, you know, a very famous international optical company. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that kind of transition happened in two steps for me. So yeah. I did do a couple of short postdoc positions after my PhD. Right. Similar area, membrane trafficking of neurodegenerative diseases. Um, but I had a kind of realization more reflecting on what I enjoyed most. Right. And okay. and that was that actually I enjoyed the microscopy side of things more, the technology right. and also the kind of troubleshooting and developing new assays with microscopes. And actually, although I am interested in the, the disease right. models and the molecular biology, for me that was more secondary to the right. the technical side. Right. So that, that kind of led me to look for more microscopy positions, right. and I found a job at the National Physical Laboratory uh -huh. um, working on a new technology at the time called super-resolution microscopy, right. which has since won a, a Nobel Prize. So it was a, wow. a hot new area at the time. Um, so I did that for a couple of years, working uh, a lot with the microscopy community and also commercial companies, including Nikon. Mm. And so I was interacting more and more. And um, then a, a job came up with Nikon that at the time was a, a kind of really good fit for me because they were right. looking for somebody with experience of working in this new super resolution microscopy area. Right. And at the time there was only yeah. maybe a dozen labs in the UK working on it. Wow. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, that, a bit of being in the right place at the right time, but I also followed my interests, I think, was yeah. the key sort of okay. insight for me at the time. Yeah, very interesting. And and did you kind of consciously reject an academic career, or, or was it that just some really good things were appearing in front of you? It was more that. Yeah. Um, I did have some frustrations with the, the academic yeah. career. Um, I think the, the big one for me was more of a practical one around the, the short-term contract. Yes, yes. And actually, I, I fell sort of foul of that during one of my postdocs that my yeah. PI's funding got cut. Right. So I had to find a new yeah. 
position, and that was very frustrating, sort of personally and scientifically. Yes, yes. Um, but I, I think the bigger driving thing for me was following that interest in the microscopy rather than yeah. any particular Fol- desire to escape or anything. Absolutely, great. So, yeah, yeah. following that following the interest um when you decided to make that move what what kind of thoughts were in your mind did you have any concerns about how it would work or i mean in some senses yes Mm -hmm. because it's a bit of a step into the unknown in that i wouldn't be in a familiar research lab environment so that and and also the a lot of the roles with nick on a field base so you don't go to the same place each day right so there's a bit of a change of lifestyle, I suppose. But I think the bigger one for me was knowing that it was probably a one-way move in that okay. once you have that gap in your publishing record in academia, yeah. it can be a challenge to come back. Yeah. So, yeah, I did, I did think quite carefully about that. Yeah. Um, and, and whilst I knew I was probably closing the academic door, I knew that other doors were would be open to me right. with commercial experience. So... And again, I think at, at the end of it, I just felt that the microscopy and the mm. commercial role was a really good fit for me. So yeah. that again, I would follow so my interest and my motivation yeah, you, I mean, you, and you, hope you, that things would happen you, in the future. You, yeah, you um, you sound very kind of clear about that. That was what was driving the decision. Yeah. Um, what would you say? I mean, I think you know, given that you said um, that there's a very strong link between your research and what you're doing now, mm. but um, what would you say were the main benefits of your PhD, given the role you do now? Yeah, I guess there's the kind of obvious direct ones. So mm. I really easily can discuss with researchers, our customers, mm. about their research. Yeah. And sure. ultimately, um, when we're talking these very high-end yeah. instruments like confocal microscopes and super-resolution microscopes, the sales process and the training process that we go through with... Yeah customers actually it can be over years so we right. get to know people very well right um and train them and help them with their questions yeah. so when when i'm looking at images on a microscope that we've just taken in a training session or in a demonstration then yeah it's very easy to understand what right people are trying to achieve with the instruments so does that kind of direct mm. research understanding is very helpful um and and also learning the microscopy skills that i learned mm. um i didn't I had to obviously train more on Nikon products when I joined Nikon, but I already had used all of the technologies that Nikon offered, which made that transition easier. Yeah. Uh, And then I think there's the indirect things like um, collaborating with colleagues and Mm. giving presentations at big conferences, explaining and showing complicated concepts in a simple way. Yeah. Um, And and I guess the... The thing that's also useful with a PhD is there's, whilst there is a collaborative element to it, yeah. there's also periods where you just have to yeah just get on with on. it yeah, and yeah. be yeah. be patient and be persistent. Yeah. And I think in a field-based role like a sort of instrumentation sales job at Nikon, mm. it does require people to manage their own time, and right. um, we don't spoon feed our teams. You know, we yeah. kind of expect people to. Yeah. manage their, their workload and, yeah. and I think there's definitely an element of that PhD yeah. life and determination that can carry yeah. you a long way in a, yeah. in a job like this. Great, yeah. Um, when you were job hunting, how, how did you approach that? Did, did you have a plan or did you get help or um, how did it happen? Yeah, I suppose I've done it in different ways. Mm-hmm. So I think after my PhD, my 
or towards the end of my PhD, my PhD supervisor was very supportive in terms of looking for next steps for, for things like postdoc jobs. So right. He gave me opportunities to present at conferences, which right. raised my profile. Uh, he also um, helped with his network of contacts, ask what jobs are available and yeah. wrote me references. So that, that helped me transition to postdoc. Right. Um, then the MPL one, the National Physical Laboratory job, yeah. I, I literally was just scouring job websites for my interest in microscopy jobs. Right. So I just responded yeah. to a job advert right. on that one. Then the transition to Nikon was a bit different. Mm -hmm. So that one, I I think I'd say fundamentally came about because of having a lot of activity on LinkedIn. Oh, okay. So yeah. I, when I joined MPL, I got yeah. active on LinkedIn. I put my own profile up. I also set up a super resolution microscopy group. Right which was the uh, first one. So by the, I was two and a half years at MPL, by the end of my time there, it grown to several thousand people on that wow. LinkedIn group. So, and I was going to a lot of microscopy conferences. Um, and I think I already mentioned, I, I was talking yeah. to the microscopy sales representatives for the different yeah. companies because I was at these conferences and yeah. giving presentations. So actually in the end, it was a recruiter that approached me through LinkedIn. Right. But I, the kind of the interview process with Nikon was a bit, I guess, easier and smoother for me. And mm -hmm. I already knew some Nikon people. Right. We weren't yeah. completely unknown to each other. Not completely cold. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, I've used different different yeah. things at different times. Oh, that's really interesting. I mean, it's great. It's great to hear of people networking their way into things. I mean, that's something we talk about a lot. Mm. Um, so in your industry, somebody with a PhD is sort of starting where you were a few years ago. What, yeah. what do the prospects look like? Is it a, a growing field? Um, it's um, We do recruit, particularly for our sales team, so the right. key account managers and yeah. the advanced imaging specialists. Yeah. Um, we do typically recruit from academia. Right. Um, and we do look for people with some microscopy background, obviously, in the right. case of, of course. What, yeah. what we're doing. Yeah. Um, so that's a really good starting point. Um, so yes, anybody with a PhD life science background and some microscopy experience, right. we would definitely Great. fit our profile. Um, yeah. I would say, I suppose that, I mean, we, we don't have a huge number of jobs. So, yeah. um, so the jobs don't, we maybe have one or two recruitments per year. Right, okay. Uh, just Nikon, obviously there's yeah. other companies that do similar things and other instrumentation companies. But, yeah. So I would say, um, if you if somebody is interested in a, mm. a sort of instrumentation sales career, whether it's mm. microscopes or some other technology that they've yeah. learned through their PhD, then um, I think the key for me is was obviously having that track record, yeah. but also then the networking and yeah. getting to meet company representatives and yeah. finding out a bit more and yeah. and going to these conferences. So that in my case, obviously the microscopy conferences. Yeah. So making yourself visible, really. As, you definitely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's yeah. that's really interesting. Um, what would be your top tips when somebody's applying? Um, what, what yeah. if you were recruiting? What what would be the things you'd be looking out for? I mean, I think there's the sort of obvious technical things. So, like I just said, mm. the life sciences research background and the microscopy background, particularly for the the specialist role, mm. which I recruit for. Um, but I think once you go beyond that, then I think one of the key ones for me is motivation. Mm. Right. So, um, 
it's a question that gets answered in a lot of different ways, but yeah. I think the thing that puts me off most is when people say what they don't want. So they right. tell me lots of the reasons they're unhappy yes, yes. in their PhD or their yeah. postdoc. Yeah. But it then comes across to me as if they haven't yeah. really reflected on what they do want. Yes. Yeah. So I would say I think it's important to me that somebody's tried to understand what yeah. the commercial role is. Yeah why they would enjoy doing it yeah. and why they would be good. So that's a really obvious, but some yeah. people miss it. <laughs> yeah, I, yes, no, it, it does happen. Um, I think people need to think a lot about that. And, and that's why, again, I'd encourage people to try and talk to company representatives right. because those informal conversations, you can find out, mm. you can, I mean, you can always see a job description on a website, but yeah. I think it's knowing and asking about the day-to-day -day and what it's yeah. really like. Yeah, I think that can give a really useful insight yeah. and then that when you are interviewing for a job like mm -hmm. that then you know you've got something a bit more to talk about yeah. and you can talk about your interactions with yeah. people and why that you know mm -hmm. motivated you to apply so so that's a big one and then I think the other big one I mean we, we train people in the commercial side of things right um, so we don't necessarily need sales experience mm -hmm. but I have it's nice to see that people would know who are the main commercial Instrument providers, right? You know, who's you know, they've heard of Nikon, they've heard of sure, like as Ice and Olympus and Mac in yeah. this case. So, and they've maybe taken a bit more of a broad interest in the technology and the industry. Right. And technology trends is always use, right. useful. So, I mean, as well as having that technical yeah. know how, then it, it's nice to see that people take a bit more of a rounded, right? Yeah, interest. Like good stuff. And, and I think, mm. I suppose, the final point is. Mm. We, we're really looking for people that like to help other people. Right. So whether it's a sale or it's training yes. or you're trying to fix a problem for somebody, uh -huh. ultimately you're trying to help Nikon customers. Yeah. So people that, you know, you don't, you're not kind of the star of the show, let's yeah. say you're, yeah. you're facilitating other people. So right. people that have got a strong drive to, to yeah. help other people yes. achieve what they want to achieve is also... Great, and, that, and that's I think that's perhaps a misunderstanding about a sales role that often comes up. It's yeah. not about pushing yourself onto people; it's about working with them. No, and I think yeah. particularly for instrumentation sales, we're talking about very high value, yes, low volume sales, yes. And and actually, I think a typical sales process will take anywhere between six months up to several years. Right. So it's very much about understanding yeah. what people are trying to achieve with the instrument, yeah. building a relationship with them. Yeah. Because people don't just buy the product, yeah. they, they're also looking for the support yeah. from the people that they're interacting yeah. with. So that's really, really important for us. Great. Yeah. That's lovely. Thank you. And th that's all of our questions. So thank you so much for doing this and, and for your advice and insights, and particularly on the, the recruitment stuff. And um, it's been a pleasure listening to your story. And um, join us on the next episode of Careers in Your Ears when we'll be exploring more career options for researchers.